When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to uh, another West London Sport QPR podcast. I'm joined today as ever by former Rangers striker and a man whose magic hat song is immortalised in one of the toilets in the upper loft, Kevin Gallon. <laughs> Love it, Ian. <laughs> and uh, we have a new guest this week, former QPR employee and now sports and music venue specialist, Jim Fralin, a man who's also spent many years working for the FA. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Pleasure. Okay, so last night, compared to you know, many previous years, it was a pre, well, very quiet day of the uh, the, the winter transfer window at Loftus Road. So just to recap, uh, while Chelsea were being lauded by all and sundry for buying a player for £105 million, who just seven months ago was signed by Benfica for £8 million. there were no new faces added to the QPR squad. Uh, Nico Hamalainen's world tour saw him exit another, for another yet another international loan. This time to Dutch prog rock rockers racing white daring Molenbeek, who uh, I believe also play in Holland's second tier. Uh, George Thomas also departed. His contract, which was up in June, was mutually terminated, allowing him to sign for League One side Cambridge. Uh, one of the good guys, George. Um, someone I always enjoy talking to, mostly about golf. But uh, and although things didn't work out quite well for him at QBI in his two and a half years, uh, he did have some decent moments off the bench and played some part in some vital goals at one match at Watford Coventry. Uh, Blackpool and uh, also set up Stefan Johansson's uh, equaliser at Reading last year. So uh, we wish him well. Um, and early in the window, Olamido Shadibo departed for Lincoln, Conor Masterson to Gillingham, and uh, Macaulay Bond, who seemed to be spending most of his time at QPR, wanted to be somewhere else, uh, returned to Charlton. And um, I believe Rangers were trying to get some deals done last night, but uh, complications with having five lone players at the club. Um, I mean, their hands were tied somewhat, meaning just Jamal Lowe. Is the only new arrival in the uh, window to the squad. So, uh, Kevin, we, we said last week perhaps getting a fullback in as cover was the Kenneth Powell's um, a priority, but you also said that, you know, it's not necessarily easy to get someone to come in to play second fiddle. So, um, what do you think about the lack of action tells us about, you know, where QPR are at the moment? Well, I think the problem was is with the five loans and, uh, and I think I would imagine that if they could have sent they could have sent a couple of loans back to their parent clubs i.e tyler roberts i would say taylor richards can't go back he's alone but is, is he due to be a permanent at the end of this season i think that's right but then for me those two loans haven't worked out that well uh, we've, we've hardly seen taylor richards and tyler roberts has been Pretty much in and out. Had a good game, a good second half against uh, Reading where he scored two goals. But in general, has been injured a lot and in and out of the team. And you know, I think there's a lot of ability in um, in Roberts, but I think he does all his good stuff 40, 50 yards away from 
18-yard box where he needs to be in. And when he did, was in there against Reading and done and showed his ability, he scored two goals. So that was, I think, that's the problem with the with what the QPR transfer window in the last few days is the five loans and whether or not there was money to spend on permanence or there wasn't anyone out there. I don't know. You just said there was complications. You might know more than me, Ian. But the five loans has really um, buffed it up for them, really, because I'm sure they would have been desperate to get. Like we said, I mean, Kenneth Powell, I don't know how long he's out for, but he hurt his knee on Saturday. They were, I think they're desperate to get a fullback in and they would probably be desperate to get a centre-forward in because Lyndon Dykes uh, got this illness and who knows how long it takes for that illness to recover and, and to get, you know, match fit and your strength back to play um, 90 minutes because he's really the only recognised number nine at QPR with experience. You know, you've got Sinclair Armstrong that comes in off the bench, Works hard, uh, but very raw. And yeah, I think uh, I think uh, I can I, I can understand QPR fans are very frustrated with that window in the last few days because it's sort of plain to see that that we needed a few players in to not to give the squad a, a boost, but also for the fan base to get a boost. So I can I understand the disappointment on, on social media at the moment. And uh, Jim, what was your take on it? Uh, I, I quite like it when players leave in the sense that I do think when you haul... A, it shows that we're embracing a bit of reality, which is never a bad thing. Reality and QPR are not always common bedfellows. Secondly, you know, someone like Thomas, you know, him going, I think that was a fair punt. You know, it was like, it was, we, we've not lost a lot by it. He probably wasn't on massive wages. Let the guy move on. It's not going to happen. He just couldn't score, could he? Either you know, every time he got through on goal, you know, he just it just wasn't happening for him for whatever reason at Rangers. So I think that's fair enough. You know, dust yourself down and move on. Um, less keen on Masterson moving out. I think we've got a call to make there, and we're just avoiding it at the minute. And that's one of those where the signing of Balogun probably has delayed his entry into or any opportunities he's had. So kind of player we need to make a call on sooner or later. Bond going. I mean, when you look at the easy money that we got, you know, we, we actually, the players that we signed at that time, you know, or, or had just signed beforehand and the likes of sort of, you know, Willock, Bond, um, who else did we sign around then? You know, it didn't, it didn't, Sam Field, it didn't work out that badly sort of thing. But I think Bond is the, the worst of it. You know, you, Bond, Bond is at one extreme and Mark, and uh, Thomas is at the other in terms of punts that haven't come off. Um Speaking to the point whether we could have got players in, again, it's another area we've been shafted by the changing manager where, you know, he signed a bunch of players who came to play for him. And Loney's, you know, when when I worked at the club and when Kev was at the club, you know, it's great when the going's good, but when the going's not good, they're not the players who are going to turn around and really put a shift in, you know, unless they're exceptional characters. You know, with Loney's, they'll go with the flow. They're not going to change the dynamic that much. So... You know, unless and, and I think the exception to that was when we did get Austin Johansson, Device, and Field in because we we got players in that were different but also cared about the club, um, particularly with Austin, um, and were, were physical and were leaders, and that that was what we needed at that point. And I think this is a team that's always needed leaders in the team, and we're just lacking that at the minute. So, in terms of the window, I just think it's reality biting us, you know, and it's it's where we're at. So I don't kind of. I didn't expect us to make more signings and I'm all right with it, really. I just, the gaps that are there, the gaps that were there at the start of the season and we've kind of played our played our hand and played our chips and it's where we're at. You know, there's not a lot we can do and there's not a lot of wiggle room with FFP and there's not a lot of wiggle room with the deals that we could do. So I think it's just reality. Okay. Um, no, I think I, I do agree with you. The kind of, you know, the, the someone like Taylor Richards now, the more you look at it, you think, the player's got ability, he's young. I see why they signed him. But it's a waste of a loan, really, isn't it? You either play him or don't play him or send him back. But they could, they're doing neither at the minute. They're not really in position to do any of them. And I think, it, it you know, Mick Bill leaving, or sorry, Michael Bill, as he now prefers to be called, um, has, you know, all the signings he's made. I'll give him credit for Kenneth Powell's been a fine signing, but 
You know, Ethan Laird's done very well, but Ethan Laird does have a checkered in injury pass, as does Jake Clark's altar, as does, um, I mean, Taylor Richards got injured falling off a box in his medical at Birmingham. So, you know, if ever a red flag was needed on a player's sort of injury record, there's the, it's there for you. But, um, you know, and he, he's walked away and, if, you know, Mick Beal has to take some of the blame for this, really. And say the club as well, because if you're allowing a manager to come in and have, if you like, carte blanche to kind of say, I want him, I want him, and making, you know, no bones about the fact that he brought these players in, and then to walk out the door two months later, it's kind of left Rangers in a bit of a hole, really. Um, you know, and Tyler Roberts the same, a good player, talented, but again, he, he can't stay fit. And that's really where Rangers are. They've been kind of stifled by that. Um, you know, and it, it's all a bit of an impasse at the minute, isn't it? The team isn't winning team isn't playing well your, your key players aren't playing well um so but i mean but supporters jim i'll, I'll look, come to you on this but you know really fans are sick of hearing about ffp i mean you look at it and go well we haven't they've signed players but they haven't really signed that many they haven't really spent any money sort of direct money when you look at the likes of you know luton and millwall they're spending money they don't get bigger crowds than qbr but you know why is this happening? What, what is the where I'll keep you out of FFP from what, what you can see? Well, I, I think our accounts are about to come out in a couple of weeks. So the only figures we've got to go on are the ones that actually dealt with the Eddie sale, and they're not that bad. Um, but you know, the fact is, we're losing close to the headroom every year. And to, to their credit, the owners fund that and deal with it. Um, but you know, money's definitely tight, and I think we've seen that in this window. You know, we can't we can't afford to be going around and signing people. We're just at a different place in our cycle. We we had a go under Warburton. Whether we should or not is up for debate. But we had a go when we made all those loans permanent, and you know, device was fairly soon bombed out elsewhere. Um, but that was our tilt at things, and and I think it was misguided because it was kind of slightly premature. Um, you should have a go at things when you've got everything in place to do that. You know, if we'd if we'd actually had a bit more in place and then went for it, then that would have been right. We're, we're almost paying for having that tilt a bit early. I don't think FFP is purely to blame, and I don't think we should, you know, as fans, I think we should have a, a reasonable view of it because actually as a club, you know, the way we were being run before um, was dreadful and not um, in line with how QPR should be run as a club and its identity. You know, splashing out the amount of money we did and only barely just going up with the wage bill that we had. Like, if you look at the wage bill Fulham were running um, when they went up from the championship, that was the same as we were running, um, you know, eight, nine years before to get promoted via the playoffs. You know, that size of wage bill should mean you go up automatically. And we were doing it all wrong. So, you know, what FFP encourages you to do is not to lose too much money, put money into your academy, put money into your stadium, put money into your fan base. And those are all things we should be doing. So I don't think we should blame FFP for it. I think we should say, look, we could be a bit cuter with what we're doing. Um, but so could lots of clubs. But, you know, for the money that we're putting in on our wage bill, we're doing about, we're a lower championship club. You know, and that's what we're getting and achieving at the minute. We've had a period punching above that average for a couple of years, you know, doing a bit better. And now we're just regressing back to where we arguably should be. If you look at what our wage bill is, whether it's 21 million, 24 million, depending on how you want to divvy it up or, or what of it, what information is available, you know, that puts us in a bracket with people like Millwall, Preston North End, Wigan, Blackburn, Huddersfield, a bit above us, and Borough, a bit about 5 million, 7 million more than us. You know, of those teams, some are doing worse, some are doing better. It's about right. It's reality. So, you know, I, I don't think I don't think FFP is the excuse. Um, but equally, I don't think we probably give our ownership enough credit for at least owning their mistakes and paying for them, like the fine, like funding the club for 13 million quid a year or 15 million quid a year, whatever it is we lose. At least they, you've got to say they pay for their errors. You know, and they've, they've converted a lot of debt to, into shares, which means they effectively, as individual shareholders, lose the money until they can sell the club as an asset. So, you know, I just think we are where we are in the situation we're in because this is reality. Mm. Jim, you talk about the funding of the academy and how I don't know how much is going into it, but just 
we're not really producing any players from that academy. And the way you're talking about FFP and the way the QPR to get out of it is to produce their own players and yeah. get them in the first team. Where at the moment we're not. We're taking young players from Aston Villa, him, um, Brighton lad who hasn't really played. And regarding you said about five minutes ago about you know lone players might not be putting a shift in, and, and I understand what you're saying because I've been there. Uh, sometimes a lone player like Tim, he's learning on the job. He's learning all his mistakes playing for QPR. And then when he leaves at the end of the season, he becomes a better player for Aston Villa. So at the moment, Aston Villa, Aston Villa are getting more out of Tim than what QPR are, if you sort of understand what I'm trying to say. But regarding the way out of this is to produce players from the academy, I mean, we've had, I've had this, I've been reading stuff for the last many years saying, you know, the youth and the academy is the way forward. But at the moment, there's nothing. I don't know, you know more, Ian, coming through, but there's nothing. I mean, Sinclair Armstrong is the only one who sort of gets around the, uh, the bench. But even for me, he needs a loan move to a League One or League Two club for six months or to a year for him to progress and for himself, for his career. So, it's, it's, I, I don't know what to say, really. I mean, Ian, is there anything? Through the academy, that you'd say, you could yeah, hang your hat. Uh, you can. Can you ever hang your hat on, a, on an academy player? It's it's that. There's, I mean, there's, there's Ryan, Ryan Ryan Coley is a player they've just given a new contract to, and he he looks a really good player. He, he you know he's very very good first touch. He's you know technically very good. Um, he's one they, they they quite like. They nearly lost him to West Ham in the summer. Um, but they, they they managed to keep him and they've given him a I think a two and a half year deal. So he, I think he's got a chance. Um, there's a lad they got from Tottenham, Rafa Ipedo, who plays for the B team. Who I every time I see him, he he, he looks like he he looks actually look like, like you know, feet, you know feet, feet, facially in that he looks like um, Stefan Johansson with the same similar haircut on that. But he's a nice footballer. Uh, again, he probably needs a loan to go out, and but uh, he looks like he might have a chance. Um, but I mean. You know, they, they spend a lot of money on the academy. There's a lot of people employed by the academy. Um, I mean, again, I look at someone like Fulham, who spend a lot more on the academy than QPR, and they haven't really, they never played anyone from their academy. They have no path to the first team. So I don't think it's a common problem just for QPR, but I, I you know, it, 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 you know, for what QPR are doing, then they start, they, some of these so called frogs they kiss and bring in from other clubs and try to fatten up and get in the first team. There hasn't really been that many success stories, so you know some of them do have to start stepping up. Um, I mean, the kid they they, they signed from Liverpool—he looks a good player. Um, his name—I've um, forgotten his name. It's on my head now, which is very professional of me. But he looks like he—he's a decent player. But these sort of players now—they've got to be pushing towards the first team, and at the moment they're not. It just seems that. Maybe in, the summer, in, maybe in the summer, some you know they might start integrating into the first team more. And I'm saying is, is this the time? This is when, I mean, it doesn't look like we're going up. I know we're still only was it four or five points off, but our recent form says we're not really going to challenge. We'd be very unlikely to get relegated. We're on 38 points, 42, 43 points keeps you up pretty much every year. Is that right in the championship? Surely this is the chance. If there's any uh, uh, um, ability in the in the academy, this is their chance to play, and, and then get the experience for next season. You say Fulham, but Fulham are trying to get promoted, and if that, Fulham mm. don't get promoted with their wage bill, they're in big trouble. Mm. Now it's hard to put players in Fulham's team, just say for instance, because they got to stay up and stay in the Premiership. The QPR now, this is the chance. If you're a good player in the academy, you should be trying to get into this this team because at the moment. Hey, the players who are playing ain't really doing the business, are they? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Mm. I mean, another way of increasing your 
FFP is to get, I guess, more people through the gate. Um, you know, and Jim, that's something that when you were at QPR, you were at QPR when the club wasn't a lot more straightened times than it is now. Um, I don't know, you, you know, you created a scheme that got, did get bums on seats. But it, it does seem to me, just on the other looking in, that, you know, that the club, the CEO, or maybe that's, they're not, they don't seem that interested in that sort of thing. It just seems to be, there's no marketing budget. There's not, nothing spent to try and encourage people to come in. Um, I was on a tube the other day and I saw, you know, efforts for Leighton Orin on the bus. On, on, sorry, on the train, sorry. On the, on the, um, on the boards advertising, you know, you know, along the lines that you had, the, the, the scheme you created, real fans, real football, that sort of thing. Don't see anything for QPR like that. I had friends over from Australia who were trying to buy tickets for the Burnley game and they got in touch with me to say, how do I do it? You know, there seems to be no kind of, it's not easy to buy a ticket just to come and see a game. Um, and it seems to me a bit of a malaise about, you know, well, if, you, if you're a QPR fan, you'll come anyway. So we'll leave it at that. There doesn't seem to be any encouragement to get people to come to football. Um, and I think if you look at what Brentford have done, they kind of taken over the Chiswick area. That's, you know, could be a QPR area. They haven't. They've built their fan base that way. And, you know, Wembley playoff final, there's, 45,000 QBR fans there. You go away games, there's QBR well followed from away from home. All these QBR fans are out there, but they're not coming through the gates. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's a priority for anyone. Although they're doing a kids for a quid promotion for the Blackburn game, I think, which is always a good thing to do. I, I just don't think that's anything you should ever stop doing. You should always be working on getting people in fresh. And and it's it's there's always people who are going to like fall away from stuff. You know whether they get a job abroad or they have kids or whatever so you've got to keep recruiting all the time and it, i don't know the stats on what we're doing now but i do know that it's possible even when times are at their darkest when you are in administration when you've been relegated um and you haven't yet signed uh kevin gallon after losing in the cup uh at swansea but you know we were still getting the loyalty of the fan base going and doing promotions at that point so that when we did start to click into gear when we signed Kevin and we signed Dudu and we and we came back to it, then we could really capitalise on it because we'd been growing the loyalty of the fan base and the data that we captured at that point. So and yeah, you know, Loftus Road is always going to be limited with what you can do with the actual experience of it. But again, it feels like there's more we could be doing. And the frustration with that is the one thing I say we're regressing to the mean in terms of what we are as a club, in terms of we're a lower championship, lower table champ, mid-table championship club in terms of our fan base size, in terms of the wage bill, that dictates what we can afford. The only thing that's going to change that in the long run is growing the fan base. So, And we're not really thinking about that. It feels like we're, we're, what we're doing very effectively is managing the loss that we have. Maybe that's the remit that the board give the, 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 the management team and Lee, who's the CEO, is to say, just lose this amount of money every year and we'll be fine. And we'll take a bet that the academy eventually is going to pay off because it's separate to FFP. And we can you know, my point with the academy is just it's just not counted so you know you can spend as much money on that as you want and it's your competitive advantage that brings kev's point into play about how valid is what we're doing with the academy can we judge it yet you know have they had the setup long enough to really judge it and i think you judge an academy on the number of minutes you get in your first team the number of players that go on elsewhere and ultimately transfer fees that you get we haven't done that badly historically on our academy but i think it's been more luck than anything like you know raheem sterling covered up a lot of that sale covered up a, a lot of faults perhaps that were there in terms of how it was set up before and now those faults perhaps aren't there so we need to judge the academy rightly at, at some point but going back to the fan base size and getting people in the door we can only afford with the owners that we've got and to be fair to them they do subsidize the losses to carry a wage bill of lower mid no low 20 to 25 million quid a year the only way to increase that over time is to get more people through the game we could put a lot more effort into that you know i think i think it is a valid criticism of our current setup that we're we'll and i we always say we're losing ground locally to other people that's true and it can be mitigated when we actually have a period of success no one was saying that when we got promoted from league one to the championship well sorry division two mm. to the one as was because we were vibrant and we were going well but i the, my frustration is we seem to price to maximize the yield from our existing fan base rather than concentrate on growing it and the one thing you know from ticketing is that fear is the biggest single motivating factor in someone buying a ticket if you know a game's going to sell out in advance 
you buy earlier than you start buying membership and you start buying season tickets. And the other thing that I found out when I worked at the club, I did a research project and it said at the time, bear in mind, this is on like 2001 prices, a season ticket holder on average was worth about 260 pounds a year more to the club just because they put their money in up front for the season ticket. And it meant they had more money in their pocket that week to spend. So they're more likely to attend the game and then they're more likely to buy food and drink. They're more likely to buy merch when they were there. So that's why we prioritise season ticket holders because it made us more money in the long run. Um, I'd like to see us doing that more. And it doesn't take a lot of QPR. You need to get to about you know a few, a, a few more thousand season ticket holders, a few more thousand members buying tickets. And we're quite soon into a realm where games are selling out regularly and you've got that fear kicking in and then it forces people to up their game and i think we should do that and once you've done that that's when you should extend the ticket prices to match demand a bit but first sell out first and then increase the prices that would be a lot better yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry and just i see that at mo most games the lower school end is is empty because it's usually the away side i mean surely that's where you can put younger kids for future generations of QPR. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you, you know, you, it's not always going to be available to season tickets. So that's where you can get a bit of your flex and do promotions and things like that or have some fun with it because you can't sell it to season tickets because every once in a while a big club comes that takes both tiers um, and, and fair play to them for doing that. So, yeah, absolutely. And look, I, in the 80s, my first match was because my neighbour was a steward at Rangers and I, I could hear Loftus Road from my garden. And then... You know, my loyalty was built up by my sister and me. We got free tickets through our local school at John Betts, um on, on Paddenswick Road. And, and that's how it started to really... Now, she got to train on the pitch with Gary Bannister with the Nash, on the AstroTurf, and they cancelled that the year that I was, would have been qualified to do it. So I never got to meet Gary Bannister. But, <laughs> you know, well, that's... I'm still, you play, I'm still bitter. I am still bitter about it. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, that's well, how it built up your loyalty. As a player, there's nothing better than coming out and seeing a full house. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Much better feeling. You, you got the back in and you raise your game as well and usually get more better results. And Loftus Road is a good ground for that when it's full or, or near full. You only need 14,000, 15,000 in there. Been a bit disappointed. Like, safe standings work quite well, but I've been a bit disappointed. We haven't made the most of it yet. And I think that will evolve. But we're, we need to get that going a bit more. But then again, you're looking at it at a time, you know, that's a good example where we are doing good stuff as a club and we deserve credit for doing it. And as soon as we get a bit sniff of success, that, you know, the ground did start, start sounding good sort of September, October under Beal. Um, and it's those things that you do when things aren't going well that really bear rewards when you do. But let's be frank, you know, 2022 was awful for us as a club and 2023 has not improved things yet. You know, you, you look at what we did in 2021 and we'd have got promoted on it. You know, if, if that had been a season in, in itself. But, you know, 2022 was fairly lean times, apart from a brief, nice period under Beal after we'd signed, um, you know, Rugben and, and Laird, and they, they made the team better after August. But that's it. Apart from like a four, six week period under him, that was a shocking year. You know, so mm. it's, it's, it's fair enough that everyone's pissed off. You know, <laughs> you look at it, it's been terrible. We had that awful tail off from January onwards, and we, for 12 months, we've been just... Ian, where did you get, Ian, did you get this doom and gloom man from? <laughs> you have to call it. Before things were bad, and now you bring on Jim Fraley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Objectively, 2022 was an anacerebalist. Let's not... Let's not... Yeah. Follow the third the queen died as well, Jim. You know, let's, yeah. let's be honest and call it. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm no marketing guru, um, <laughs> but I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me. You just there's only truly one team in West London. Postcodes don't lie. Yeah, and surely you just market yourself on the only true West London club. Well, why did we do all, real? Fans, real postcode is South West London, as is Chelsea's. Brentford is a Twickenham postcode. TW. Yeah. So it's it's um it's yeah. yeah you know, surely that, that's that, that's rule one hundred and one, isn't it? Just go there and. Your point of difference being the only true club of West London. Yeah, and, and, and you, it's authentic. And you've got to market it. West London's only club. You yeah. know, and the thing is as well, like it, it, it's sort of like when Brentford were at Griffin Park, I mean, all around that area, sort of down by Q and down by Brentford High Street and that, there was Brentford posters and this and that. You yeah. knew it was Brentford area. My missus, who's got absolutely no interest in football whatsoever, 
you know, went in the Westfield once and said, you'd never know the QPR around here, would you? I said this to Lee Hughes on an interview that we, we have on this YouTube channel. And his response was, well, what's in it for me? I'd rather spend the money on the playing budget. And if the playing budget is up and the team wins, we'll get people in the gate. But it doesn't always work like that, does it? Well, you look at, I've got the example of that where when I worked at the club, when we were still in Division One as it was, my entire marketing budget got taken by Paul Furlong's loan fee for the three months he came from Birmingham. He scored one goal that the keeper hit against his arse and went in and then got injured after a few weeks. Now, Furs was a total hero later, but that that loan spell didn't exactly contribute a lot, whereas the, the sort of whatever budget I had that got taken away would have arguably done a lot more. Now, when you're spending 24 million quid on players, 1% of that is 240 grand. If you put that every year for five years into marketing, you'd have a lot more than a million quid extra to spend on people by the end of it if you did it right. Because if you look at what commercial income we get, what gate income we get, you know, you, it would pay itself back over five years. And that is the challenge you put on your marketing team. Say, show me where you're going to make this money back. But it's sure as hell, if you're accepting the fact that you're subsidising the club anyway, that last 1% of the playing budget, who does that go on? You know, those are the sort of fringe players that, you know, it is at the minute the likes of your Connor Masterson or, and I, and I only pick him out as a player who's not playing. I, I quite like him as a player and we'll discuss him later But if we want to. But it's those fringe players. How many points are they going to actually get you at the, end of the, at the end of the season? You know, what is that 240K doing for you? So are you better off not just taking that from the playing budget, spending it every year for five years on the fan base and then seeing where you get to? And I'd argue you are. And the frustration I think a lot of people have at the minute is we've, we've done brilliantly what few people have done, which is cut our wage bill whilst maintaining our status in the championship. And to be fair, I don't think that's applauded nearly enough because I don't think people realise just how hard it is to do that. There's a lot of clubs who have tried to do that and sunk down much lower than we did. Yeah, OK, some have come back from it, but you look at what happened to Sunderland or Derby or others, yeah, and Sheffield Wednesday, you stay, it's hard when you get down in, into League One, you know, you stay there. So we've done really well to cut that back. It felt like we were coming back. It felt like we were starting to do stuff when we signed those, you know, Austin and, and Johansson and everyone. But it's proven to be a bit of a full storm. And so I'm not surprised that everyone's annoyed at that. But I do think we should be concentrating on what is going to change the dynamic for this club over the next five years. And Back to your original point, Ian, growing the fan base is one thing that will change our long-term dynamics, and we should be doing it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hmm. Okay. Right. So on to the cheerier, cheerier times. I'll move on to the football. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is this a football podcast? <laughs> um, anyway, I, I do want to gloss over it. I mean, the fact that they, you know, went to Hull and were, you know, comfortably beaten 3-0 is a Pretty woeful performance, let's be, be frank about it. Um, not help those in, you know, Lyndon Dykes, who we, we wish all the best, you know, and in hospital with um what I believe is a pneumonia. Some um I think Charlie Austin, I think he was, posted a, a snap of him in hospital with all tubes and masks coming out of him. So it's a nasty business. So um we wish Dykes um all the best to him and his family. Um and then to lose Kenneth Powell early in the well, just for half time, and you know, a week after you lost Ethan Laird um, against um, Swansea. So injury concerns, and um, I mean, I'm purely speculating here. I don't know, but the fact they didn't sort of bring anyone in as a as a left back and allowed Hammerlinen to go out on loan um, suggests that maybe the injury to Powell isn't as bad as they they first feared. Um, but I mean, just the performance itself, it was pretty flat, pretty rubbish. It was cold. It was, you know, a decent following went up from QBR and, you know, we're treated to a non-display really. And I'll absolve Sinclair Armstrong from this because he came on at half time and did very well and caused him a few problems and looked direct and looked good actually. Um, but the rest of them were 
but rubbish, frankly. Um, Huddersfield away, another long away trip at the weekend. I think they're bottom of the table, Huddersfield. It really, it's sort of, Kev, it's sort of must-win territory now for Luke Critchley, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the game on Saturday. thought it was a poor performance. They were, they looked more hungrier, looked more, more, um, they ran around a little bit more. They just all around looked, looked better. Um, defensively, we were poor. And, and going forward, we didn't create anything really. I think Dickie had a header right at the death, um, which was, I suppose, a comfortable save. But yeah, it was a poor performance. Um, he went with a 4 4 2, really. And I, I think. He has to sort of shoulder it, not a little bit, because I just, you should know that Elias Chair's not a left midfielder. He's not going to track back. And they had a right back who bombs on and it exposed, um, you know, um, Laird with a 2v1. And it's hard to defend 2v1s. Uh, also, Dickey looks not the same player in the back four. Um, it looked like um, Hull. Sort of knew this and played a lot of balls down that channel between uh, Dickie and Kakai for Connolly to run into, and he struggled. And the interesting and we did say the other day last week, um, maybe he could, if you want to change things up, go to a back three. He didn't, he stick with the back four. So, yeah, it was a very poor performance. And now it's a really, um, you know, a game that QPR need to at least get a draw out at Huddersfield. I think they're third from bottom. I looked at the table just before we come on. Third or fourth from bottom. They're desperate for points to stay up. QPR desperate uh, for points to stop this sort of uh, rot, bad form, and get going again. Because at the end of the day, we're only still five points off the playoffs. And I know it, the way we're playing, the playoffs seem miles away. But you need to get your best players back on form. Johansson, hopefully, is back. Bit of experience, a uh, bit of composure in the middle of the pitch. Willock needs to get. I don't know, it's just I've never seen never seen a player sort of be so good and then just, you know, be so so poor when we all know how good he can be. And someone at the club's got to get their arm around him and get him back on side because the team needs him so badly to be back on that sort of form he was in August, September, October. So we need those players back in form. Hopefully Lyndon Dykes is is uh back quicker. Uh, after his illness and we wish him all the best I do as well but yeah it's going to be a tough game real tough game desperate for points going to be cold up north tough game Kevin um, Neil Critchley has said what Willett needs to do is basically play himself back into form um, if putting your coaching head on if you're with Chris Willett on the training pitch today what would you be saying to him well, you'd be just putting your arm around him and talking to him and reassuring him. And I would be getting the analyst, get his best clips up, get into a room and just, just show him how good he can be. Because if you do lose form, that's the kind of way you need to, a, a reminder, a reset, a reminder of, um, of how good you can be. So they'll be, hopefully they'll do a video of all his best things. This is what you're good at. You need to get back to this. You're capable of getting back to this. Um, and he is capable. We all know that he's capable. Um, but someone's got to get their arm around him and, and tell him how good he is and how much the, the team needs him. But in the end, he's got to do it himself. Hard work. You know, the hard, there's a saying, the harder you try, the luckier you get. There's nothing better. If you're, if you're out of form, the first three, four minutes, when you get the ball, you keep it simple. You pass it, you move. Or you chase down someone, make a tackle. The crowd are up, clap. You get a lift. So... He needs to do that, and at the end of the day, he's got to get on the pitch. And it was very surprising that our, one of our best players, it took, was it the 80, what, first minute, 80th minute, three nil down when you're desperate for a goal. Our most creative player was stuck on the bench. So there's something, there's something wrong. I don't know. No one knows, but they, someone at the club has to get him firing as quick as possible. Jim, new manager, well, newish manager Neil Critchley. Whenever a team's not winning. Team wins, manager's a genius. Team loses, manager's an idiot. In the court of public opinion. Um, but it's been six weeks now for Critchley. I think you can look at, you know, Luton lost their manager to a team in the Premier League and they kind of carried on 
Um, well, it's been quite seamless, really, but not the case for QBR. Do you think that's down to the manager or do you think it's just a position situation he's inherited? I think he inherited one of the toughest situations you can have. I think we need to acknowledge that, especially but partly because Luton do what they do. They've got a strategy, they keep to it. Whereas, like you said earlier, you know, we, we don't. We need to be, you can't be like half pregnant with stuff. You've got to do it fully. And if we've got a director of football model, it's got to be completely the director of football model. But we've let, you know, previous managers sign players and then we've let Beal come in. Now, Warburton signed his own players, like, you know, Elder Barger and Wallace and, you know, uh, McLaren was allowed to do it. And, and we keep letting people do that. So, and the, the downside of that is there is a bigger drop off when you change managers because there's a bunch of lone players who aren't going to, Put as much of a shift in there's a bunch of players who've come because of him and then he's sodded off somewhere else so that is really hard but i think so i i would always have it in mind to give him at least till the end of the season because it's hard to see how how anyone else can do much better and plus you know who's going to be available who's a lot better and i think that's a factor too because we're not flush with cash we can't go and buy out a really great young manager and play pay money for him and we would have been paying a lot of money for Critchley if we'd got him straight away. And as it was, you know, he was available on a free. I think it's an interesting debate to say how much is it down to him right now. I don't think a lot of it is, but yeah, he needs to turn it around before the end of the season. Um, there's, a, there's an old QPR debate about whether introverted managers do well at QPR or not. You know, if you look at the biggest managers we've had with the most success, it's Venables, Warnock, Francis, Holloway arguably in the last few years and, and you know they're all big characters um so what suits qpr best in the long run is probably a bigger character but it doesn't mean that managers like don Howe haven't built really clever squads before a big extroverted big character manager comes in so you know he could be the don Howe to the jerry francis for all we know but we need him to start making some of those big decisions and, and getting it right and and you know something needs to change that much is really apparent on the pitch for whatever reason whether it's the system whether it's the people and he's he's come out and said either the people need to change themselves or the or the people need to change well the transfer window's now shut those players aren't going their hill till the summer so now something has to change with those players and something has to change with the system and that is on the manager so you know we can talk about Dickie in the back two or a back three um something we just need to change something so I don't hold him massively responsible, but as time goes on, his responsibility increases. Yeah. I mean, I always think, you, you know, a manager needs at least two transfer windows. You know, he barely has had one transfer window, let's be fair about it. He's, um, and Dan Dan Bennett, once of this parish, you know, made the point when he got the job that um, Critchley's first seven or eight games at Blackpool were similar to what's happening at QBR now, where they couldn't buy a win and the... the the fans were a little bit restless and then he just, you know, worked out what worked with the players he had. And I mean, I, I do wonder if he has perhaps looked at it and thought, well, Rob Dickey had his best success in a QBR shirt playing in a back three. Um, Stephanie Hanson needs to be back in the team. And all the all the players that were available in QBR are doing well are still here. Johansson, Field, Dickey, um, Dieng. Willock, chair. So there has to be some sort of where you look at it and say, well, how can I get these players back playing to at their strengths? Because they could championship players. I mean, every game I've covered this season, the opposing manager has made comments about Willock and chair. You know, they're well, they're well regarded in amongst other championship clubs and stopping them is seen as the key to beating QPR. So how do... I mean, the thing for me is you what the, the performance QPR put in against Hull at home in October compares to what they turned out up, up there on Saturday. It was, you know, light years away, but it was by and large pretty much the same players. So I just think we're soft, Ian. We're really soft. Those mm. players aren't leaders, and they played better when the likes of first Austin and Johansson and Device came in and field, and then a bit under Beal with Balogun and with Johansson blocking for Charlton away and came back stronger so we need to have some experienced players setting the tone in that team because I think we're really weak and soft like mm. we look at the game against Sheffield United they constantly narrated that game to the ref you know mm. we'd have players going through ours and, and it, we, we accept like really bad tactical fouls really meekly 
instead of getting in the ref's face and saying, oi, that was deliberately stopping our attack. What are you going to do about it? He's been fouled mm. four times, five times. You know, we, you know, Kev, the team you played in, we did not have many shrinking violets in that team. And we talked to refs a lot and put them under pressure. And it was our cave mentality. And that's really lacking. So I think what the players we've got have shown us is that we need some leaders out there at the minute. I would argue, can I just say, Kev, you, you, and I'll come to you straight away on this, but do you think that's a generational thing, though? That there is a lack of those players that are around that don't have the um, the aggression, if you like, of you know, players of, say, 15 years ago, you know, the, the, the Roy Keane, you know, Mark Bertram type players. So one of just two examples of, you knew in the middle of the park you were, you know, going to get kicking or the referee was going to get it in the air. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I agree. I think the generational thing, I think, you know, we're talking about the manager again, but the players really have to step up as well. Because at the end of the day, you cross the line. Hmm. <laughs> the manager, Critchley ain't telling them to play bad. Critchley ain't telling people don't track back. You know what I mean? You've got to do it. Or else you're sub, you're out. So hmm. I can understand that. But then Jim just said that, that, that Sheffield United were barracking the ref. So it's a men- it's the same generation of those, but it's just different characters. And uh, I agree totally. Um, you know, I used to be moaning at the ref constantly. But then you put your arm around the ref and get him on side and say, sorry about that. I used to do it all the time. You know? I used to say, go mad at him and say, you're rubbish, you're this. And then five minutes later, I go, ref, I was out of order there. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that to you. Guess what? A call for a foul, it gives me a foul. It's just not, I know, but it's just, you know what I mean? You, you yeah. sort of just play and, and it, if yeah. refs are human, we're all human. If you... You're on at the ref, he can, he can go both ways. But if you're on at a ref and not accepting decisions, and he's probably giving, oh, these geezers doing my head in, I just have to give him a, have to give him a free kick just to shut him up for a minute. So I can see that Johansson coming back in the team, hopefully, will. Um, but he's not the most vocal, but you know, he sort of leads by example. He has got experience. He's a very good player. He's been there, done it. He's played at the top levels. So need him back. But yeah, I, I agree with uh, Jim there saying that. We are sort of a quiet team. I think the only one I really see going through all the time is Jimmy Dunn. Mm. The only one I see is really shouts at the ref and, you know what I mean? And But the rest are like quite quiet lads. I mean, it's sort of, yeah, I, I, I didn't really think about that, but they are a little bit, you know, maybe on the soft side. Mm. Well, you know, ironically, what I said about the generational thing, the player that was seen to be in the refs here most on Saturday was Sinclair Armstrong. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, doesn't stop talking to the ref. It was, um, you know, I was, I was, I mean, if you're looking at silver linings, I thought he came on, he's, he's scored a few goals in the reserves. I think he scored um, in a kind of B team, uh, sorry, behind closed doors fixtures um, during lockdown, um, not lockdown, the, the World Cup break. He, I mean, he's got a chance now, hasn't he? You think? Well, he's got a chance of getting on the pitch more often. The only thing with Sinclair Alton, someone's got to teach him that he, a lot of the time when he does receive the ball, he always ends up down in the, near the corner flag. Mm. If you're a centre forward, someone's got to tell him, you just stay the width of the the box. Um, he's always like running in the channel and he's brilliant at it and he ends up holding off a centre half but he's like, he's he's in the corner flag, laying it back to a winger, who's then going to cross it, and then he's not in the box to score. So he mm. needs to learn, stay in the box as much as possible. Make your runs between the the eighteen yard box and stop going into them. I mean, you have to do it the odd time. There's no doubt about it. And the odd time the ball comes up, so you've got to hold it, and lay it. But just try your best to stay in between, you know, the eighteen yard box, and when the ball's coming in, you're around in that six yard box. That's where goals are scored. And I can tell he's desperate to score a goal. But he needs to, to learn to score a goal, Sinclair Armstrong. You've got to be in that six-yard box when that ball's coming in, not by the corner flag laying it to the winger, for him to cross it in to no one. Mm. But okay. he, he did it well, he worked hard, and he got the crowd going a little bit on mm. Saturday, from what I saw. So, fair play to it. Yeah. Um, okay, just... Moving swiftly on to Huddersfield away Saturday. We've touched on it already. Um, they won at Loftus Road um, earlier in the season in probably the most one-sided game of football I've ever seen a team lose. Um, 
one of those nights that was at Loftus Roads. I mean, Rangers, you hope they're going up with that memory of disappointment of that game behind them and can, you know, end this this rotten run. What do you think, Jim? I just think we need to see a reaction. I don't really care what the result is as long as there's a real reaction and an acknowledgement and we kind of a, a stake in the ground that says things are going to change. Um, we had loads of shots in that game, didn't we? I mean, yeah, you look at it, their form's woeful. They, well, they've won a couple of games recently, actually, to be fair to them. And we, we're, our form's probably the worst in the division now. Um, but I think, you know, let, let's have a real go and let's judge them on effort. Um, I don't really care if it's, you know, if it, it would be hard to take if it's a tough loss. But I think you, you can judge teams away from home even better than you can in home games. And at the minute, we're well short. So I want to see a reaction um, and I want to see something different. Okay, and a score prediction? <laughs> Heart or head? <laughs> uh, I'll say 1-1. One, one. Okay. Kev? Yes, yeah, a tough game. They're desperate to win, obviously, to get the points because they're down at the bottom. We are desperate as well because our form has been, as Jim said, is poor, probably poorer than theirs. So two teams that have, uh, who ain't really, you know, doing the business at the moment. Um I'd like to see maybe a change in um, system or maybe go three at the back, do something a little bit different to stop the rot. Um, I'm going to go, I, do you know what? I, I, we've got better players in them. And if you've got better players and you put the effort in, then you usually, if you match the other team for effort and you've got better players, you, should, you usually win the match. So I'm going to go 1-0 QPR. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there was no shortage of effort in that game. They lost 2-1. It was just an inability to defend two basic set pieces. So, for me, that needs to improve. Um, but, yeah, as I say, it's a game they have to win. I'm, I'm going to go for... A, yeah, I'm going to go for Rangers to end this run. It's going to be awkward, and I think they're going to nick it 2-1. So Are you putting money on it, though? <laughs> uh, will I put money on it? Um, no, not on the, not on the exact scoreline, <laughs> but you know they'll be on me. They'll be on me. Coop wants to win. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Right, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Much appreciated. Um, well, thank you very much for watching and listening. Um, if you'd like to like and subscribe and all that other stuff that we get you to do every week, that'd be we'd be very grateful. And uh, thanks for joining us and. See you again next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.